grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were asked to define who you are in a way that is both concise and complete, how would you go about doing it? Would you list all the places you've been to and the experiences you've had to answer who you are? Would you mention your friends and your family to identify who exactly you are? Or would you perhaps just use a giant big question mark because you have no idea how to begin to answer that question? It's difficult to define ourselves for a few reasons. First of all, because we're rather complex creatures, and we're sometimes filled with contradictions. What we like over here is not the case over here, or what we think here may not always be the case. And on top of that, to a certain extent, we're also a moving target as we mature through the years, and who we used to be is not who we are now. Yet as you consider, how would I answer the question, who I am? Did you remember to include your faith in Christ? That because of what he has done for you, that you are a humble servant of his? In many ways, the children of our God, this is where we begin to answer that question. Because it is our Christian identity and what God thinks of us that is the basis, the foundation of who we are and from which everything else builds off with our purpose, our way of life, and even how we view ourselves. It's the same question, who am I? That we hear King David ask himself in our verses from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. As he asked it of himself and of his Israelites in light of the abundance of blessings that were there before them. And the answer he gave was a remarkable one. How he and the Israelites were just simple, humble servants blessed by the Lord in so many ways. Although our circumstances are quite a bit different from King David, we can echo his same answer. Because we have the same wonderful blessings, the same reasons that he did to see who we are. For it is we who are abundantly blessed by our Lord from his very own hand. And who also look to him to preserve the uprightness in our heart. So we may always delight in carrying out our Christian duty. When we first read David's speech to the assembly filled with praise and thanks to the Lord, you probably think that it happened after some big military victory or a miraculous deliverance of some kind. But in fact, it was occasioned upon seeing the, the mountain of treasure that was freely given to help build the temple. You see, King David, even though God forbade him from building the temple himself, that did not prevent him from getting everything set up. So when his son Solomon took over the throne, he could just hit start and get that temple project going. And what a vast collection of gifts were collected to help build that temple. As we heard in our verses, there was gathered together gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, onyx, antimony, stones of different colors, every kind of precious stone, and alabaster in abundance. And all these gifts, they just simply didn't come from the country's state treasury funded by taxes, no. No. 
in large part also given by individual citizens. King David himself, from his own personal state, giving to the Lord and so many of the Israelites and their leaders, making a special gift on top of it. And when David saw all that was given freely to the Lord, he was overwhelmed in a wonderful way and responded the only way that he could to give thanks and praise to the Lord, the one who alone made it all happen. It's then that David asks our question that unifies our sermon this morning. For he asks, who am I and who are my people that we are able to offer willingly like this? You see, David knew that there was nothing in and of himself or of his countrymen to explain why the Lord blessed them so much with such a great abundance. For they were honestly nothing more than aliens in a country or temporary residents there for a short term. Rather, David knew what the answer was. It was the Lord and him alone that made such an abundance of blessings possible, who gave from his very own hand in keeping with his grace and love for his children to bless them to such great measure. And those Israelites were nothing more than humble servants of God and joyful recipients of everything that he had given to them. When you consider the blessings that God has given to you from his hand, do you view yourself in the same way? Do you give all the credit to God for all that you are and all that you have? Our sinful nature often wants to take some of the credit for ourselves for these very things. Just think back to the accomplishments that you've done, all the experiences you've gone through, and ask yourself this, is this what you did, or is it what God did through you? Take stock of all the possessions that you have to your name and consider, are these what you gave to yourself, or is it what God gave to you through others? Count the abundance of your blessings and whose hand do you see behind it? Is it your own or is it the Lord's hand? See, we often need a reality check about who is truly the giver of every good and wonderful thing we have because that sinful nature wants to say, me, at least to some part, I'm the one to get credit for this. When in fact, it's the Lord who gets all the thanks. We hear one such reality check in our verses from Deuteronomy chapter 8 where we hear this. You might say in your heart, my ability and the power of my hand have earned this wealth for me. But then you are to remember that the Lord your God is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. See, it's the Lord alone who gets the credit for what we have. And King David, he certainly already knew this. That's why when he saw that wealth of treasure offered up to the Lord, he knew who to thank and who to praise. Not himself and the people, but the Lord, who gave him that abundance of blessings in the first place. As the Lord blessed those Israelites from his very own hand, so he also blesses us from his same hand. 
And that phrase of coming from the Lord's hand, it speaks to the personal nature of these blessings given to us. You see, God the Father, he didn't accidentally give you your personality, skills, passions, interests, and possessions. No, it was intentional. In keeping with his grace and mercy for you personally, for you specifically. And even if the Lord has allowed you to have a disability, chronic illness, or some other permanent disadvantage, this too is designed for your eternal good. To trust in God's perfect wisdom that knows all things and who has this happening for a good purpose. And if it ends up being in heaven when we find out how that hardship was indeed for our good thing, we'll, we'll know then if we haven't learned it already. But whether it's the things that we agree to be good or the things that we will learn how they are good, be certain of this, that it comes to you to you personally, keeping with God's love and grace for you. Speaking now of the hand that our Lord gives to us, it's not just in what we see that was given us personally, we see just how abundant he is in our blessings, but also in the literal hands of God the Son, Jesus Christ, that also bless us to this very day. How the tiny hands that Mary and Joseph held in Bethlehem's manger when God became truly human for your and my sake. The outstretched hand when Jesus healed countless people without asking for anything in return, just simply to love them or to gain a hearing for the gospel. The animated hands that brought Jesus' words to life so that those who heard his words could more easily learn the precious truths he had to share with them. The pierced hands they were nailed to the cross to pay the price for the sins that you and I committed, that he paid for with his own dear life. The uplifted hands that Jesus used as he blessed his disciples as he ascended into heaven and has not stopped blessing us since. It is from these hands that we receive God's abundance of blessings and in full measure, those blessings that come to us through the gift of faith, forgiveness, life, salvation, peace, joy, and everything else, you name it, it is given to you, not as a collective whole, but to you personally. Without asking anything in return. Purely because of his love and grace for you. And when we go to answer that question, who am I? That's where we begin. To say that I am nothing more than a humble servant of my Lord who's been abundantly blessed by his hand in a very personal way. And what a joy that is. But there's more to our answer than just abundantly blessed by the Lord. For who are we? We're also servants of the Lord who look to him to preserve our heart's uprightness we may always delight in our Christian duty. When those Israelites brought their gifts of joy and treasure to the Lord for the temple building project, they did so with happiness in their heart. And to use the words of our theme for our worship service this morning, you could even say that their faith delighted in their Christian duty. There's more to our Christian duty than free will offerings given to the church. 
broadly speaking, our duty is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And indeed, we accomplish that very thing when we prioritize time in God's Word. We give back to Him the blessings that He has shared with us, and we serve our neighbor with a willing heart. And when we delight in doing these things and carrying out our duty, well, that's the goal that we're looking for this morning. And that's what David saw when those Israelites came in First Chronicles who not only praised God for what he saw, but he also asked God to preserve this uprightness in their heart because he knew just how fragile and flighty it can be. How fragile and flighty is it for you when you carry out your Christian duty? Do you delight in what you do in service to the Lord? Perhaps sometimes, but not always. For we would oftentimes rather be the ones who are being served by others. So the ones who serve others. In the military, there's a saying that goes like this. That rank hath its privileges. And the idea is that the higher you rise in rank, the more privileges you receive in deciding what gets done, how it goes about to your liking, and to enjoy the luxuries of all that military life can offer to you. In short, it's about being served instead of the one who gets to serve. Because honestly, nobody down to their nature enjoys serving others. They'd rather be the one receiving the attention and the joy. It's not just in the military, though. We find this rank hath its privileges mentality. We civilians see it as well when we do not delight in our Christian duty. When we view our time in God's Word as being robbed of us because we would rather spend it elsewhere. When we give our offerings to the Lord with a cheerless heart instead of cheerful. When we serve our neighbor because it's an obligation, not a joy. When we love another so that they love us in return. My brothers and sisters, this is not how it should be when it comes to our Christian duty. Rather, we should delight in serving them. And thanks to our Lord with a heart that is upright because of what the Lord has done for us. So how is it that we have that upright heart? The secret to delight in our Christian duty? We look to our Lord and the abundance of his blessings that he's given to you personally from his own hand. By the hands of our Savior, your sins are paid for. Your debt is no more. You're right with God now and forever, and heaven is as good as yours without you having to do a single thing for it. The hands of your Father have provided for you far more than what you need and certainly more than what you deserve in keeping with his grace and mercy. And it's all these that are given without requiring anything in return. Just simply what God does for his children, who loves them so and just cannot help but show it in so many great and wonderful ways. 
when we correctly see all that our Lord has done for us, we cannot help but be overwhelmed in a great and wonderful way to have a heart that is not just upright through the forgiveness of sins, but also that delights in what our Savior wants to do. And it's with these upright hearts that we then delight to serve our Lord. And we go to God the Holy Spirit to preserve that uprightness in our heart because we can't do it on our own. And the Spirit promises to do that very thing when we come to him in his word. It is here in the word of God that we hear that news that never ceases to be good, that of our forgiveness. It's here that the Spirit renews our purpose and way of thinking, that we seek to serve the Lord above all else. It's in the word that he directs our hearts away from sin and towards our Savior so that we always delight to live for our Lord by carrying out our Christian duty. We know firsthand how hard it is to keep that uprightness of heart. Therefore, go to God's word as the source from which to keep your heart upright, cleansed from sin and desiring what it is that God himself wants. Count your abundant blessings that are given to you from the Lord's own hand to you personally, specifically for your eternal best. Replace that rank hath its privileges mindset with a servant's heart that seeks to serve others and thanks what the Lord has done and given to you. Because when it comes to that question of answering who am I, we simply echo what King David said back in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I am nothing more than a humble servant, abundantly blessed by my Lord's own hand and who looks to him to preserve the uprightness of my heart. As such, may we remain close to our Savior and daily recount all that he has done for us so you may always have a faith that delights in our Christian duty. Amen.